Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Today I'd like to talk to you briefly about God-ordained authorities. Then I will share a miracle with you that happened many years ago and stresses the importance of what we say over ourselves in a time of great distress. Now the following five God-ordained structures are laid out in His Word. Number one, government in Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2.17. Employers mentioned in Ephesians 6 and 1 Peter 2.18. Then we have number three, husbands, 1 Peter 3.1, Colossians 3.18, and Ephesians 5.22. And then parents in Ephesians 6 and elders in Hebrews 13.17. Some people have been amazed down the years as to the lack of respect we believers have for the Word of God and our hypocrisy for not applying it and also not honoring the God-ordained authorities that I just mentioned. These people have been placed in our lives to express the will of God. Even Mahatma Gandhi made an observation regarding this. He spoke forcefully to Christians when he said, You Christians have in your keeping a document with enough dynamite in it to blow the whole of civilization to bits, to turn society upside down, to bring peace to this war-torn world. But you read it as if it was just good literature and nothing else. Wow, friend, what a stern observation from someone who we never believe came to the saving knowledge of Christ in his lifetime. Think about that for a moment. The man who led the revolution in India against the British occupying forces saw much hypocrisy in our Christian religion and spoke openly about it. He saw people preach one way and act another. Even Gandhi saw the potential of God's power in his word and those who were not utilizing it to full effect. Now here's another light-hearted illustration that reveals someone who knows their authority and how to enforce it. When Christian Herter was governor of Massachusetts, he was running hard for a second term in office. One day after a busy morning chasing votes, he had no lunch and arrived at the church barbecue. It was late in the afternoon and Herter was famished. As he moved down the serving line, he held out his plate to the woman serving chicken. She put a piece on his plate and turned to the next person in line. Excuse me, Governor Herter said. Do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? Sorry, the woman said. I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person. But I'm starved, the governor said. Sorry, the woman said again, only one per customer. Governor Herter was a modest and unassuming man, but he decided that it was time he would throw a little weight around. Do you know who I am? He said, I'm the governor of this state. To which the lady replied, Do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Now move along, mister. <laughs> this woman knew her authority within her particular sphere or jurisdiction, amen? The governor had no authority at the church barbecue, friend. This was out of his jurisdiction. Sometimes we overstep our boundaries of authority, and the results can be hazardous. We are only able to operate within the parameters of Christ's authority, as designated in his word. 
Jesus has granted us authority over the devil and demon forces, sickness, disease, and poverty. However, he has not granted us authority over other people's wills, just as God won't exercise his authority over another person's will. You can't bind your wife or husband in Jesus' name and command them to do the washing up and command them to do the vacuuming. I've tried that. It doesn't work, friend. I'm just messing. God will even honor a man's choice to go to hell if he wants to. God is going to honor our decisions, friend. That's why it's important we make the right decisions in life. Now let's remind ourselves of our heavenly perspective right now from one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I'm reading from Ephesians 2, 2 and onward. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show you the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Wow. Anyone who is a Christian should know they are standing on a firm foundation of salvation. Now, some might even go further. They might appropriate Romans chapter 6, which makes it clear that we are the righteousness of God. But very few believers go the third step, my friend. And that is realizing that right now, we the church are seated in Christ's throne room and in equal measure to his authority on this earth. As Christ's body, we do what the head commands. You have access to the throne room. So when you pray, you should realize that your position is not down here on earth. No, friend. You should be looking from a viewpoint of victory in the heavenly realm. We are looking down on our situation or circumstance, not up towards heaven. Friend, I want you to acquire a throne room perspective when you pray. Let me remind you that when you pray, you're praying from the Lord's throne room, from his perspective, seated in heavenly places, looking down on your situation. Now, some people have issues with authority. They don't trust authority. In fact, they may have even been abused by authority figures in their lifetime, and I understand their distrust. Some people have been treated very unfairly by parents or preachers or whoever. Friends, regardless of this wound we may carry, we need to lay it aside and understand the wonderful and most gracious Heavenly Father is to be trusted, and the authority figures who've treated you badly bear no reflection on the true nature and character of God. Now, friend, I want to tell you an incredible account right now that happened almost 40 years ago to a Christian named Norman Williams. And we're along the lines of authority. We're talking about how important it is to speak the word over your life in recent broadcasts. And it's coming to a head in this testimony. Norman was a spirit-filled Christian and a believer in the spoken word of God. You can read all about his account in the book entitled Terror at Tenerife, which was printed in 1977. I actually recently obtained a copy of this book and read this remarkable story. 
Tenerife is the largest and most populous island of the seven Canary Islands off the west coast of Africa, or Morocco to be more precise. It was a Spanish colony, and with only one operable airport, and a very short one I might add. This is a very popular island to say the least, with at least five million tourists visiting each year. Now tragically, two full 747s collided on the runway, killing 583 people instantly in March 1977. This was a terrible death toll and only 70 people survived. Probably one half of those survivors are still alive today. It was the deadliest air disaster in aviation history up until that time and it probably still is. Now due to the presence of dense fog on the runway they had to wait four hours on the runway when both planes collided and being full to the brim with fuel that's 21,000 gallons of fuel each there was an incredible amount of energy which led to a massive explosion. They collided at 200 miles per hour, and this sliced Norman's plane in half. Now, Norman was seated eight rows behind the part that was cut in half. Tragically, the vast majority of people died instantly on impact. He was flying in the Pan Am flight, in the center of the plane where the jet fuel was. No one survived next to him, including his business partner who died. Now, Norman had a Pentecostal mother who prayed for Norman his whole life, and he grew up in Detroit, Michigan with his four siblings. His mother taught him to pray for traveling mercies, in other words, to pray for protection when he was traveling. A safe journey to and from Tenerife is what they prayed for before his embarkation, and his mother wept when she prayed this time, uncontrollably, I might add. Norman knew this was not common when she prayed, and he knew something was up, but he didn't know what it was. The crux of the story is this. As the collision took place, a ball of flames engulfed the fuselage due to the jet fuel exploding from the wings. Incredibly, Norman saw the flesh of his fellow passengers fall off their faces. It was a horrendous sight. But as the ball of flames came towards him, he said out of his own mouth, I'm standing on the word of God in Jesus' name. I stand upon the word. I stand upon the word. He said this over and over again as he saw the ball of flames coming straight for his face. But he felt a peace come over him while this was happening. All of a sudden, something propelled him upward and picked him up out of his seat. And the next thing he remembers, he was on the end of the wing of the plane, outside the aircraft. The reason Norman acted this way is that during his lifetime, he had programmed himself to praise God every day. He was so programmed that when he encountered the incredible trauma and distress of this plane crash, words of faith and praise flowed from his lips instead of all the cursing and profanity he heard all around him in this time of great catastrophe. Those that cursed died, and he praised God and lived. In the time of distress, whatever is inside of you, friend, will come out. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friend, let me ask you this. How real is Jesus to you? Is he a fictional character from a book written 2,000 years ago? Or is he your Savior and Lord, upon which you cry out in a time of distress? Norman's account is one of the most profound testimonies I've ever heard in my life, but it reinforces the importance of speaking God's word out loud. Remember what Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved, as I have mentioned in previous broadcasts, is sozo in the Greek. It not only means salvation and access to heaven, but it can also mean physical deliverance or rescue. 
That day, Norman called on the name of the Lord, and he was physically rescued. No doubt an angel was involved in order for him to be relocated so swiftly out of the path of the flaming ball of fire, safely onto the wing. So is there a Bible verse that we can stand on as Norman did for the rescue from fire? Friend, indeed there is. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, But now saith thus the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Wow, that is a literal promise from God's word that we can be saved from a ball of flaming fire and fire of any kind for that matter. So what is the difference, friend, between Norman and everybody else? There were several Christians on board that day, that flight, but they died, friend. Does God love Norman more than anyone else? No, of course not. The difference was the spoken word. Norman spoke the word of God and called upon the name of the Lord and he was saved literally and physically as the word promises. Friends, what an incredible protection we have at our disposal by speaking the name of Christ and we need to make sure our tongue lines up with what we believe at a time of impending tragedy. It is imperative that we program ourselves with the word of God in times of peace so that we're able to speak truth in times of distress. Friend, I challenge you today to be mindful of the words you speak in the good times and the bad times. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue, friend. You need to have Jesus on your lips when that car starts to lose control. You need to have Jesus on your lips when the word comes that you have cancer. You need to have Jesus on your lips when the doctor says there is no hope for you. You need to have Jesus on the lips when they've announced foreclosure and you've got to be out by the end of the month. Friend, trust in the Lord and you will not be forsaken. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded. So stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button 